Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson era is officially coming to a close here in the offseason as both sides look to split after a wild day in Denver. We'll break down all the action, tell you everything we need to know on today's brand new installment of Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Welcome to a freshly brewed installment of GMB here on Mile High Sports YouTube page. As we get closer to the new year, there's going to be a lot of new things that are coming up here for the Denver Broncos, including the very likely possibility that a new quarterback will be taking over in 2024. We'll break down all the action here today. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. And just do us a quick favor if you're here on Mile High Sports YouTube page, make sure you comment, you like the video, you subscribe as well for your favorite Colorado sports team's coverage. You get us here at GMB. You get the Pickaxe and Roll podcast by Ryan Blackburn covering the Denver Nuggets. You get all that stuff here. And also check out all the up-to-date, up-to-the-minute stuff going on with your favorite professional Colorado sports team at milehighsports.com. Folks, I guess there's a you know an elephant in the room we got to talk about here, right? The Broncos are in another ugly situation, and the optics of everything right now are very, very unprecedented for a team who made a massive trade two years ago for a quarterback, and all of a sudden now they signed it to a massive contract extension last season before he played it down in football, and now Denver is in a point where that quarterback is not going to be on the roster in 2024 the broncos and russell wilson will more than likely move on from each other in march once the new league year rolls around and that begs the question how are the broncos going to do it how are they going to deal with the salary ramifications and the whole process of this has just gotten a little it's got a little ugly in the last 24 hours and i think there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that obviously most media members never get to hear about most fans ever, never ever get to know but we got some insight into some of the stuff going on behind the scenes and to be honest with you the optics of it are not very good it doesn't shed a good light on the organization but let's talk about it here so jordan schultz had obviously well first off let's talk about what happened um the broncos announced yesterday that they were benching russell wilson in favor of jared stidham for the final two weeks of the season. And this was something I alluded to could be a possibility uh, following the post game that we did following the Patriots game. I put it on a Christmas day article on milehighsports.com talking about, well, okay, Hey, Denver has to make some decisions, right? Because we all knew in the fifth day of the new league year, Russell Wilson's $37 million guarantee for 2025 kicks in and becomes guaranteed automatically. However, if he were to get hurt in any of these last two games for the Broncos, then that would automatically kick in. He'd be guaranteed that money if he's not able to pass a physical in March. So he's already going to get $39 million for his new contract that goes in next year. This is where I think the pitfalls of paying somebody a contract extension without having them played it down is rough. But at the time, I understand why the Broncos did it. You know, And I think that gets lost on so many people because at the time, you had guys like Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, for example, these guys had not yet signed their mega contract extensions, and that was something that was coming up. And so for the Broncos with Russell Wilson, considering his age of where he was at, considering the juncture in which the Broncos got him, considering that he waived his no trade clause with the understanding that he was going to come and get a contract extension. At the, at the time, it was the right move. However, 
I think the length and the overall amount of money and the implications that it has from a salary standpoint definitely skew things a little bit because Denver was hoping that they were going to get a very, very good version of Russell Wilson. Look, which I want to be on the record of saying this. Everything that's happened in Denver, like even in 2022 with Nathaniel Hackett and even at parts this year, everybody wants to just blame Russell Wilson. It's such a weird behavior. Look, has Russ played his best football? No, but there's been times where Russ has made things happen when nothing else has happened. I think Sunday's game is a great example against the Patriots out of the structure of the limited play call design that we had seen in Sunday's game. And look, I think the play calling was super conservative against the Patriots for three quarters. It is. You can go back and watch it. It is that. And look, yeah, could Russ have been better? Absolutely. But the, against that Patriots defense, Denver could not run the football. The Broncos couldn't run the ball one iota. And so what do you do when you take away your top pass catcher who obviously had to leave the game due to concussion protocol? Denver has no pass catching tight end outside of Lucas Kroll, who didn't see his first target of the game or first, like he wasn't even in really in the first quarter in terms of snaps. It was mainly Adam Troutman, Chris Manhurts. So to me, it's ultra conservative play call and combined with the fact that this offense is, is limited in a lot of ways. It's very one dimensional as we've talked about here. But everybody wants to just blame Russell Wilson as if Russell Wilson is the sole problem, right? And, and I've been on the record of saying this. Russ can play better. Absolutely. But Russ hasn't really been the issue why they're losing games. You know, and this is a team sport. So for some reason, like the commentary, especially on Twitter, and I don't mean like I'm not directing this at you, but it's like the idea is that on Twitter, everybody knows everything. And it's the most toxic app that's out there. But the idea is that everything, it's a team sport. There's 11 players on the field at one time, and it's all one person's fault. Like to me, I don't think people have played a team sport. I don't know if that's ever been the case with some of these people who think that. But it drives me nuts because it's unfair commentary. Can Russ play better? Yes, 110%. I think even Russ himself would tell you that he could play better. Absolutely. But people around him also have to play better as well. And Sean Payton had a very interesting thing where he was asked about, you know, like, could there be any other change? He says, well, I can't bench the entire offensive line. I can't go and get five new wide receivers. That didn't necessarily come out in a way that I think when you look at it, you're like, oh, like, okay. Like, so Russ is the scapegoat in a sense. Like, that's how it came across. But fans, a lot of fans just want to blame Russell Wilson solely. Sean Payton has his share of blame. Russ has his share of blame. The offensive line has their share of blame. Skill players have their share of blame in this whole entire situation here. But yet we want to direct it at one person. And so Russell Wilson has been the subject of a lot of outrage and anger towards him. And look, I, th I think it's unfair commentary. Could Russ have been better? Yes. Is he the sole reason that they're losing? No. And I think that is something that gets lost in the conversation that we have here on social media. It's a toxic discourse here. So what does this mean now here for the Broncos? Now, originally, we had thought, okay, well, if he sits these two games out, then it gives the Broncos up until the fifth day of the new league year to maybe sit down with Russ and talk with Russell Wilson about maybe restructuring his contract in a way that makes it more team-friendly, more cap-friendly. And then we get the report later on in the afternoon from Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report saying that Russell Wilson, after the Broncos beat the Chiefs in Denver on that snowy, cold day in the Mile High City, was told and was asked by the Broncos to waive his injury guarantee, which is like the $37 million kicker, or else he was going to be benched. And they didn't have any definitive timeline on when he was going to be benched. They said, if you don't waive this, and it kind of threatened him, like, if you don't waive this, you're going to be benched. In my opinion, Russell Wilson during that time, 
he and the defense, they helped orchestrate as a team. They helped orchestrate a five-game winning streak. Denver was in a one-and-five hole, and they were in a one-and-five hole, and it wasn't because of Russell Wilson. It was because the defense was struggling at an astronomical rate, and the offense just couldn't keep up with the rate and the pace in which other teams were scoring. And the offense and Russ were actually playing pretty damn well in the beginning of the season during that one-and-five streak. So, for me, it's just what's changed, right? And I think it's been very clear. And just being someone who observes practice, someone who's in the locker room, and we've seen the interactions that Sean Payton has had with Russell Wilson, you can tell Sean Payton, I mean, he had no choice. Coming into Denver, he had no choice but to roll with Russ this year, right? But you wanted to see if you could make it work. The idea and where I get irritated about this whole entire situation is that you can definitely tell at one point Sean Payton's like, I don't have patience for this. You're not my quarterback. And I feel like at times, I feel like Sean Payton has kind of handicapped the offense and Russell Wilson into proving that, hey, you're not my quarterback. And it's a brutal game. And obviously as a coach, he's got a lot of pressure on him because guess what? He was brought in to win football games. And if he doesn't win football games, he's going to be fired. There's going to be a new coach that comes in. And the reality is, I don't know if he tied his five-year contract that he's gotten with the Broncos. He's not tying that to Russell Wilson in hopes that it turns it around. But that's like, you have to be willing as a coach. You have to be patient. Like this is a one year with someone new and you're cutting it with two games short. Now, I understand like the financial aspect of it as to why Denver would sit Russ. Because, yeah, if he does get seriously hurt, you don't want to have to pay that $37 million guarantee because then you can't cut him. Like If Denver is going to move on from him, okay, come out and say that. And I think that's where this is headed. So when that came out about what Jordan Schultz had reported, look, Russ liked those tweets. And Russ has a very valid point. Like, you know, yeah, the team could ask him to do that, but people are mad that Russ isn't going to do that. Like, would you, if you went to your job and they asked you to take a pay cut, or if they asked you to waive something that gives you benefit and security in your job, you know damn well you would not do that. Most human beings would not do that. So for Russ, Russ has earned every every penny of his career. He's worked hard. His story's great. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won playoff games. He's led the Seahawks. And, and he's also had a really productive career overall as a quarterback, right? And as you get older, sometimes that falls off. Sometimes that diminishes a little bit. So for me, the optics of the Broncos asking him to do that I don't necessarily like it. I don't think it's a great look. I understand it from a financial standpoint, but threatening to bench him because of that to me is the optic that I just, I don't sit by. And I think if you're a player, whether you're in the Broncos locker room or you're a player who's a prospective free agent that could be coming to Denver, may want to come to Denver at some point. You're like, wow, like they did that to him. They would do that to me. That's the unfortunate, ugly business side. And look, there's so many ugly things that happen on the business side of the NFL that we never get to talk about. And it's not my place to ever share. It's players' places to share that if they ever want to. But, you know, to act like the NFL, like the NFL preaches so much about player safety and teams, you know, preach so much that they really care about their players. The reality is there are some organizations out there, and I'm not saying Denver's one, but there are people out there that look at the NFL and how they treat their players and like, you know what? As might as as cool as it would be to be part of that locker room, and I want to highlight this: the Broncos locker room is tight knit. These guys are so close. This is the best locker room that I've seen in a long time here for Denver. But if you're a player on the outside and you don't know that, and you see how things are going on here, to me it's like I don't know if I want to go to Denver. Like John Elway had a bad reputation in the eyes of players. Like oh, like if I'm playing on a one, if I'm playing on my current contract and I play well. 
I'm not going to get extended because they're going to let me go and they're going to try to bring in someone cheaper. That was the that was the mantra and the mentality that the Broncos organization had for prospective free agents when John Elway was running things. That John Elway never wanted to pay for good players, uh, you know, second time, never wanted to extend them. And then you look at obviously George Payton. George Payton came in and extended Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris right away. Unfortunately, Shelby had to be included in that trade for Russell Wilson. And the overall vibe, though, is like, hey, like, okay, if we play well, like, they're going to reward us with a contract extension. I still think that's the case in Denver, but this is just a bad look, in my opinion, for how the Broncos, like, to threaten Russell Wilson that we're going to bench you if you don't waive your guarantee. Like, that to me is just, you know, it's a tactic. The NFL PA lawyers got involved. There's n- nothing that really came of it. But one thing is very clear here the Broncos and Russell Wilson are headed for a split here. This offseason, more than likely in March, he's not going to be on the team anymore. And I'm very curious to see how Denver maneuvers and goes about what you know they have planned and what they have processed for. What's the plan? What's the vision at quarterback for 2024? Like this now puts all the pressure, in my opinion, on Sean Payton. Sean Payton took this job. Sean Payton didn't want to make it work with Russell Wilson. I don't think he tried all the way to make it work with Russell Wilson. So what is he going to do next year? What is he going to do, whether it's with Jarrett Stidham? whether it's with Ben DiNucci, whether it's with a rookie quarterback, it's all going to be on Sean Payton. And I think the one thing that we probably should talk about a little bit more is Sean Payton doesn't necessarily have a history of sitting there as a head coach and developing quarterbacks. And that to me, I think is the Broncos are in a very unique situation here, right? Because this hasn't happened under Sean Payton. Sean was lucky enough to have Drew Brees for as long as he did, obviously, in his tenure in New Orleans. We saw, okay, when Drew Brees had the injuries or when Drew Brees retired, Jameis Winston was playing pretty well under under him. Teddy Bridgewater stepped up and played well when there were injuries. Trevor Simeon stepped up and played well when there were injuries under Sean Payton. So I think that's kind of given the allure, like, okay, hey, Sean Payton can make things work. And I think that he can, right? But it's unknown. It's not a guarantee that he can develop guys into becoming elite players at that position, which in today's NFL, you need it. And I just don't know if the Broncos are going to get there here overall. Real quick, Broncos country, we continue on. Let me just tell you that the show is brought to you by our friends over there, Superbook Sports, when they trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Superbook, they'll fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and they'll also give you two tickets to the game. Plus, you get a three-night hotel stay. And all you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a super trip to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So anyways, before we round out really today's episode of the show, Denver's in a unique position. Two games left in the regular season. Still a 5% mathematical chance that they can make the postseason. But let's be honest, the postseason is not attainable for them right now. It would be a drastic miracle. Denver would have to win two games, and they would have to hope that everything that they need to go right in week 17 or 18 from other teams happens. To bank on that is is wild. It's like lightning in a blue sky in a sense. So don't get your hopes up on the playoffs. But one thing is guaranteed, this offseason here for the Broncos, it's going to be wild. So buckle up, Broncos country. We have you covered every step of the way here on Good Morning Broncos. Make sure you check out milehighsports.com for more.